Hey everybody in Connect Church, this is Mike Kai from Hawaii. I just want to say aloha to every person in Boston and throughout your entire network of people that you reach and people that you lead. All the way here from Honolulu to you in Boston, I'm excited to be with you this weekend and happy Independence Day. God, God bless America. I'm so grateful for the city of Boston and all that God has done in your incredible city uh, over 230, 40 years ago. And uh, on this weekend, how important the Declaration of Independence was signed and here we are today. Um, declaring our independence because of who Jesus Christ is. I want to thank Pastor Stacy and Pastor Derek Fry. Thank you so much for the privilege and the honor it is for me to be able to bring this message to your congregation. Uh, so before that, I'd love to open up with a word of prayer. So would you bow your heads and pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this moment that we are here together. From all across the Atlantic to the Pacific, I thank you, Lord, that you reign from sea to shining sea. And Lord, I pray that you take this message and you use it for your glory and for your goodness in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. I started this, this series in my church called The Secret Sauce. When you think about what are the different ingredients that make something special? You know, I think about Kentucky Fried Chicken in America, right? You have the 11, how many? 11 herbs and spices, whatever he's got. That's a secret ingredient. Well, we have a secret sauce in my own family as well, but my uncle will not share that recipe with me. My beautiful wife, Lisa, was born in Hong Kong, so she's gorgeous Chinese. And uh, her uncle, of course, owned one of the biggest Chinese restaurants in Seattle before he retired. And he has this incredible chili sauce that my wife puts it in everything, from our, from our, 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 our chicken to, you know, teriyaki chicken. She adds a little bit of that spice. And even her spaghetti, she adds some of that Chinese hot chili sauce into her spaghetti. Well, who would know, right? Because Marco Polo went to China all the way from Italy and brought back the noodles from him. So really, China... Uh, can, can take credit for all of the spaghetti that we're eating throughout the world because of Marco Polo. But when you think about the secret sauce of things in our lives that absolutely make a difference, I want to talk to you about the secret sauce of what makes life work, about what makes life work. So I want you to come with me over here as I begin to share these things. And I know you know this, but I want you to understand that in, in throughout the world or throughout our lives, not everybody's called necessarily to be on the platform and do what I do. Somebody say, thank God, right? Because I've been doing this for 20 years um, at my church, the 20th year anniversary coming up in August. And before that, I was a youth pastor for five years. And before that, I ran a young couples ministry for my church. And now here I am today, pastoring a church in Hawaii and in Manila and reaching people throughout the world. But I want you to know that even if you're not called to do this, God has a calling for your life. That no matter where you are in the world today, no matter what's going on with you in Boston, no matter what's going on in your world, God has an incredible plan for your life because not everybody is called to this assignment, but you are called. Every single person is called to fulfill the plan and purposes of God. Somebody say amen. So when I was uh, younger, before I came to Jesus Christ, I used to work for the airlines. I worked at American Airlines at the age of 19. When I was 19 years old, I was the youngest guy that got hired at American on the ramp, and I was a baggage handler, so I would, you know, put the bags into the airplane and make sure everything was secure and let it fly off. But there was one time where I was stuck on a non-revenue flight in a small town in Hawaii, and while I was there, there was this young girl that was sitting next to me, and we're waiting for the flight, and, and then we got pushed back, and another flight got pushed back, so I 
decided to strike up a conversation with this young lady. By now, I'm 21, 22 years old. Um, God's doing something powerful in my life. I'll tell you more about it later. But during that time, I looked at the young lady and I said to her, I said, what do you do? She says, oh, I'm a flight attendant. I said, wow, a flight attendant. How glamorous that must be. And she goes, well, what do you do? She goes, it's not that glamorous. But she said, but what do you do? I said, well, I just work on the ramp and I, I just work on the ramp for American Airlines. And she goes, no, you don't just work on the ramp for American. You work on the ramp for Jesus. I went like, what? She goes, yes, you work on the ramp for Jesus. Even though the CEO signs your paycheck, really there's a purpose behind your paycheck. And it just blew my mind all of a sudden that I realized that what God actually was calling me to do was greater than what I thought it was. I didn't realize that I was on the ramp working for the airlines for Jesus. Now, no matter what you do in your life, you might be in a restaurant, you might be a student, you might be working in retail, you might be in government, you might be a CEO of your company, but you are there as Christ's representative in order for you to influence those who already have influence for them to come to Jesus. So the Bible tells us that you and I are salt and light. Come on. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. You and I are salt. You and I are light. God's doing something wherever we go. And it comes down to this philosophy of ministry that I heard about years ago that I think was started by a man named Lance Wallnow that was taken to the next level by a guy named Bill Britt that was used by a guy named Ed Silvoso and is used by another man named the great John Maxwell. And today I honestly believe that and I have for over 25 years, that each and every one of us is in a sphere of influence for a reason. So I wanna share with you seven spheres of influence, if I can, up here on the screen. The first one is, number one, we would have religion. So I'm in the religion realm, so to speak, right? The second one would be uh, business. So you might be in business. You could be in all of the different aspects from contracting to, um, to technology. You're in that representative in that sphere for Jesus. Or maybe you are in media and we need more people in media. Uh, we need Christians in media helping to shape the narratives of our world for a Christ-centered way. Uh, maybe you work in that part. Or maybe you are in the arts and entertainment world. Or maybe you are in athletics and you're doing it because God has given you a platform to reach more people for Jesus. You know, we're all in these different spheres of society. My, my mentor, John Maxwell, calls it rivers uh, or, or streams because streams are life-giving. And whenever we are in these streams of influence, they have tributaries that flow into one another, and especially the family. That's another sphere or stream of influence. But every single one of us, we're all in a sphere or a stream of influence throughout this world. And why are we there? Because Jesus said to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And when he begins to do that in our lives, let me tell you, you find a purpose beyond your paycheck why God has you where you are. So I began to think, well, I'm, I'm on the ramp for Jesus before I, became a call, I was called to be a pastor. I already was called before I became a pastor. And you are already called. You may not be a pastor, but you are called right where you are to make a difference right where you are. Come on, somebody say amen. If you are online, give me some fire. Uh, give me some, some, some blown mind emojis. Give me some dynamite. Whatever you can give me right now, I think it's going to be great. So here it is. When I begin to think about the secret sauce to making life work, I honestly believe that it has to do with this word called excellence. 
excellence. Now, excellence is not perfection. No, 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 no. We'll never reach perfection, right? We'll never reach that. But excellence is doing the best you can with what you have been given. Um, it's almost like the parable of the talents, being excellent in doing what you do. The Bible says, let us be excellent as what is good and innocent of evil. Let me say that again. Be excellent at what is good and innocent of evil. So when I begin to think about people who were excellent throughout the Bible, I immediately think about Daniel. You know, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know how they were taken away from Jerusalem, deported all the way to Babylon because Nebuchadnezzar had conquered Israel? As a result of that, they took the best and the brightest in the first wave of, of exiles, and they took them all the way to Babylon, and they began to indoctrinate them in thought, in society, in culture, in order to train them up to become very similar to magi, to become magistrates, to become people who were administrators of the kingdom, and especially to go back to Jerusalem to be able to govern from there. So they were already trying to indoctrinate them in everything that they needed to know in Babylonian society. But something was different about Daniel and his friends. They decided to be set apart. And they said, for 10 days, O Nebuchadnezzar, or they didn't say it to him, they said it to the official, for 10 days, please test us on this diet of vegetables and water instead of the king's choice foods. And we, wanna, we want you to evaluate us at the end to see how we are. And the Bible tells us that in Daniel chapter 1, verse 20, and this is what it says, and in every matter of wisdom, and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and the enchanters in the entire kingdom, in his kingdom. They were 10 times better. Come on, I believe that you and I, we can become 10 times better with Christ than without him, and that is excellent. The Bible also tells us in Daniel chapter 6, verse 3, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by what? His exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Daniel was just not only 10 times better, but he had exceptional qualities because of what God was doing in his life. And he allowed God to do it, to partner with him. Connect Church, I believe with all of my heart that you and I can become 10 times better than what we do without Christ than when we do it with him in the name of Jesus and because of our excellence and our attitude in everything that we have. So our excellence is not just about our attitude. That's very important. It's not just about our work ethic. Oh, that's absolutely critical. It's not just in our appearance, because that does matter. We want to leave a lasting impression, not just make a good first impression, but it's because of the Spirit of God that is in us. If you want to make a difference, no matter where you are, if you want to change the world right where you are, then it starts with Christ and it goes on with excellence. When I was 10 years old, I remember looking up into the stars out the window while I was driving with my parents, and I remember asking them, why am I here? Mom and dad, I don't understand. Why am I here? And before my dad could explain to me the biological reasons of why I exist and why I am their child and why I am in their car, before he could even do that, I already knew that there was a bigger answer that my parents could not provide at that moment. But I want you to know, that you're here for a purpose. You are on this earth for such a time as this. 
in our world, in the last 16 months that we've gone through, all of everything that we've gone through, you're here for a purpose and you're here for a reason. God hasn't made any mistakes. God didn't go, oops, I put you in the wrong, uh, uh, in, in the wrong century. I should have had you in the 1700s. I should have had you in the 1300s. No, God has you here right now for maximum impact in Jesus' name. So excellence is doing the best you can with what you have. So number one, if you're taking notes, number one, excellence is an accelerator. It will get you there faster. Number two, excellence is an elevator. It'll get you there higher. Come on, somebody. It'll get you there higher. Number three, excellence is a separator. It's a separator. It'll get you further. And number four, for those of you who, who are in business, excellence is an income generator. It'll help you bring in more revenue. So when we are excellent in our communication, in our appearance, in our attitude, in everything that we do, let me give you six things that make up the secret sauce to life and how to make it work. Here it is. Number one, number one, number one, be a blessing and not a burden. Simple, right? Be a blessing wherever you are and not a burden. So when you are a blessing, you bring so much to the company. You bring so much to the classroom. You bring so much to the workforce. You bring so much when you are a blessing. Everything you do, you realize that it witnesses that maybe you may not have opened your mouth yet and told people about Jesus or invited them to your church just yet. Maybe you've not brought them online or you can't bring them in person. You haven't brought them in person yet, but you will. But what they're watching is how you handle everything that's going on throughout our world. They're watching the echo chambers. They're watching the social media. They're watching everything because they want to know how are you handling yourself in a time like this. While everybody's losing their minds, while everybody's expressing their opinions online, they're watching to see how are you handling yourself because whatever you do, witnesses, connect church. Do you realize that you actually, you people, that us, we all have a brand? And you know what your brand is? Your brand is what people say about you. That's your brand. You might think, I don't have a logo. You don't need a logo. That's not your logo. Your brand is what people are saying about you. That's your brand. So the Bible says in Proverbs 22, verse 1, says, A good name is more desirable than riches to be esteemed more than silver or gold. That's what a good name is. You have a reputation. So you either are building and adding to a good reputation or you're eroding the reputation that you have right now. So what we want to do is we want to be a blessing and not a burden, right? Think about that for a moment. Number one, be a blessing and not a burden because everything you do witnesses. Here's number two. Number two, we are solution bringers. We bring solutions to the table. Exactly. Think about this for a moment. Don't just bring me a problem. Bring me two solutions. If you're going to tell me that there's a problem, I want to know that I've got solutions. I want to know that you thought of these solutions because you have the mind of Christ. And if you and I have the mind of Christ, then we have solutions. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 52 verse 7, it says, How beautiful are the feet are those who bring the good news. Beautiful feet. How beautiful are the pedicured feet of people who bring good news. It's smooth, it's nice, it's beautiful. I'll touch that. <laughs> Not yours, but I'll touch my wife's. But think about this for a moment. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. Now, I know the good news is the gospel, but also good news anytime is a good thing to hear. How calloused and rough 
are the feet of those who never bring good news, who only bring bad news and never bring a good solution. So you want to be a person that has solutions. And you and I have those solutions. God will give you the, he'll give you the insight. God will give you the wisdom. I tell, I tell my staff, uh, I tell them this. I say, a proverb a day keeps the stupids away. <laughs> a proverb a day keeps the stupids away. In other words, you read a proverb every day and you will have wisdom like nobody else has because you have the mind of Christ. And God has already given us 31 proverbs in order to build our wisdom. So that way you can bring solutions. When I look at people throughout the world that have brought great solutions to our society, who have changed things, who have been disruptors in different areas of spheres of influence. Number one, I can think of this. I think of the inventors. I think of George Washington Carver in America that took the peanut and gave incredible ideas on how that would benefit us. Then I think of Thomas Alva Edison. Thomas Alva Edison was a God-fearer. The only complaint about Thomas Alva Edison was Thomas Edison didn't go to church enough even though he believed in God. But he had an incredible mind for inventions. When I think about the scholars, I think about the scholars up here on the screen. I think about Descartes. I think about, uh, I think about um, Galileo. Galileo. Galileo! Galileo Figaro! I think about Galileo. Galileo, he looked at the stars, but he never worshipped the stars. He knew that God hung the stars. I look at Galileo. I look at the artists. I look at Michelangelo. I look at Leonardo da Vinci. And I think it was Michelangelo while he was chiseling away at the granite. Michelangelo was quoted as saying, I saw the angel in the marble and I carved until I set him free. Who thinks like that? People with the mind of Christ think like that. When I think about people who have done great things, I begin to think about the, the people in the reforms who've done great things with the Gutenberg Press. When you think about the Gutenberg Press, that before that, the people who were writing, before there was a Bible that was printed like this, it would take a scribe in a monastery who was a monk years ago in dark places with a quill pen with terrible lighting, and it would take him years to be able to transcribe a copy of the Bible, the book of Isaiah or the book of Psalms. It would take him years just to have one parchment rolled up for a church. And then the Gutenberg press comes, and a guy discovers that you can actually take these pieces of lettering, and you can make a printing press out of them. And then the Bible comes alive, and now the first Bible is written in Latin, and people can read the Word of God. And now, all of a sudden, Martin Luther takes his 99 thesis at a church in Germany and nails them to the door. And now, all of a sudden, we have the Protestant or the protest reforms or the Protestant Reformation that changed church or the scriptures as we know them today or the way that we read the Bible. It's amazing. These are the people that had the mind of Christ. They had solutions. And it's no different today in the 21st century than people in the 14th century or the 13th century or the 1600s that changed the world because of what God was doing in their minds. You and I, we have solutions. Number one, be a blessing, not a burden. Number two, be a solution bringer. Here's number three. Number three, add value and not drama. Add value and not drama. We don't want to bring drama to the workplace. You don't want to be a part of people who are gossiping, who are complaining, who, are, who gather together and begin to say what's wrong with everything that's going on. I, I, I get that. But we don't want to be a part of that 
that actually brings down a company or a team because we want to be people who add value and not drama. It's almost the same as being a blessing and not a burden. When I think about the drama, we've had incredible amounts of drama this past year, even here in Hawaii, unbelievable. Even right now, we've got drama all, over, all around us. But we've got to learn how to rise above the drama, not give in to the drama. You know, I came from a lot of drama in my world. Before I came to Christ, I was telling you I worked for American Airlines. I was hired at the age of 19. Big moves happened in my life at the age of 19. The age of 19, I don't think you know my story, but let me share this with you. When I was 19 years old, I didn't know Christ. He was not my Lord and my Savior. I was living for myself. I was all about the self. And back then, I was at the University of Hawaii. I was a freshman and a sophomore. And by the time I was 19 years old, I became a young father. And as a young father, I had to give up everything in order to become a father and do what I needed to do. So that meant that I quit school and I went to work full-time. I worked full-time before I got hired at American. I was working at a pizza hut. I was working at a service station. And, um, and, and it was a difficult time. I gave up all the dreams, all the goals in order to be the man that I needed to be and rise up and accept the responsibility. I was not gonna let this child come into the world without a father. I was gonna be there from the very beginning. And it was tough, don't get me wrong, it was difficult. But things got harder between her and her mother and myself, her mother and myself. Things got worse to the point where I'm 21 years old and I no longer have a family, it's just me and my daughter. Her mother left, wanted to live her life and that's what she wanted, she chose that and she left. But she left me with our daughter. I had so much drama around me. It was the most difficult, darkest time of my life. I'm sure I battled depression. I don't know about anxiety, probably had that as well. But I remember that during that time, it was so difficult that I actually became a little suicidal. I thought about it a few times. But what stopped me was imagining what my funeral would look like if I wasn't here. I was, imag I was imagining those things. I looked at that. It's, it's something powerful that when you're crying that you have a little two-year-old daughter that's patting you on the back because she's used to being patted on her back when she cries. She was patting me on the back. I have a picture of me that when I was, nine, I was 20, 21 and, and Courtney, my daughter, was in my arms. I have a picture up here on the screen. And I'm a single father raising a two-year-old daughter all by myself. I took that photo because I wasn't sure that if I would still be around because not only was I thinking about harming myself, but I was also thinking about harming others. That's how bad it got for me. I had a lot of drama around me. It was, it was difficult. I already said that, but I'm telling you right now, I'm grateful that even though during that drama, my friends started reaching out to me. I wonder if you have any friends that you should still be reaching out to. I wonder if there's anybody that you can invite back to church or invite to church for the first time or ask them to join you online and watch it together. But it was at that time that I took that photo that I said to myself, she needs something to remember me by in case for some reason I'm no longer here or if I'm in prison. But then my friends started reaching out to me. I was working at another restaurant. They'd say, Mike, we want you to come to church with us. I said, I don't want to go to church. He said, you got to come to church. I said, I don't want to go to church. And he went down the line of why I should go to his church. He said, it's got drums. It's got young people. It's incredible. I had no concept of church outside of what I was used to growing up in. Very, very traditional, all here and not here. For me, it wasn't here. Boring, no life. I don't even want to be there. You know what I mean? I've got everything memorized, but nothing really sinks into my heart. I don't even get it. I don't even understand why I'm memorizing these things. But I, was mem I, I got them memorized. 
And finally, my friend Brandon said to me, he says, Mike, if you come to my church, I promise I'll buy you breakfast. Now, when you're broke, you go to breakfast for free if somebody says, come and get dressed up for church. And I tell you right now, do not underestimate the power of bacon because I said yes that day. And that day I got dressed for church, overdressed, of course, because I've never been. I went to church, got Courtney all dressed up, and they brought me to church, and they, she went one way, she was crying. I went one way, I was nervous. I could hear the drums. It was an old school church with an overhead projector. That was the worship words. And for me, who was a karaoke singer, that's how I drowned my sorrows. I walked in, they sat me in the second row. Who seats the new guy in row number two? But they sat me in row number two. And as I began to watch the words to worship, they had me at song number two. Row two, song two. And it's at that moment that I began to cry and I just could not believe the love of God. I felt so unworthy at that moment, but so grateful at the same time. All my inhibitions and my fears began to leave when I began to sit there and realize that I am the best place that I could be right now. And at the end of that service, it was that simple. I understood the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and I gave my life to the Lord that day a long time ago at the age of 21. And at the age of 21, I waited. I had so much drama going on me around me and I waited and I waited and I waited and, and it wasn't meant to be. For three years, I waited for her mom to change her mind. She changed her mind several times, but finally, I knew that the writing was on the wall. This was never going to move any forward. And I was willing to forgive because God was doing a miracle in me. And even though the miracle that I was praying for did not happen, the miracle was happening in me. And now I had a purpose. Now I knew why I was on this earth. Slowly I began to realize how much God loved me and he created me and I was not here by accident and neither was my daughter. That we were here by purpose. And then I waited for one more year because I was single while I waited and celibate. I kept my wedding ring on. I never took it off. I was single and celibate. There's a difference, everybody. And I waited because I knew God would reward me. And after that one more year of singleness, now we're going on year four. From 21 to 25, and in the final year, when that was done, I said, Lord, if I, I need to get married again. My, my daughter needs a mother, and I need a wife, and I can't look for the old place. I can't find her in the old places. I don't want to creep at church. I don't want to be looking at girls at church. I just need you to reveal her to me. So if I could ever get married, Lord, can she be five foot seven? Because I didn't want short kids, because I remember what it was like growing up short and getting picked on. I don't know about you. Five foot seven. Number two, can she be gorgeous Chinese? That's right. Gorgeous Chinese. Number one, five foot seven. Number two, gorgeous Chinese. But the most important one was number three. Number three. I know I'm kidding, but here's number three. I wasn't kidding. I was serious. Here's number three. She's got to love Jesus more than me. She has to love Jesus more than me. Because she loves Jesus more than me, we can make it through anything. And you know what? God brought her. He revealed her to me. There's an incredible love story behind that. Incredible. They should write songs about it. But I've been married to Lisa Lum, now Kai, for 27 years. And it has been the best, the best 27 years of Lisa's life. No, of my life. Of my life. It's been the best 27 years of my life. And God just slowly began to dissipate the drama. And now, all of a sudden, I was a blessing and not a burden. Now, all of a sudden, I was bringing solutions. Number three, here's what I was doing. I was adding value and not drama. I was adding value 
and not drama because I was rising above the drama. I'm alive to tell the story of all that God has done, his goodness and his grace in my life. And when I look at the story that God has created, when I look at everything that God has done, I am so glad that I stuck to Jesus. I'm so glad that even though things didn't turn out the way that I wanted them to, and even though there have been tough times, that God has been my sustainer. And I want you to know that Jesus is your sustainer. He can help you rise above the drama and add value to this world. That's one of the reasons why you are here. Here's number four. Number four, you have to initiate and anticipate. Now, you are initiating conversations that you have. That's a person of excellence. You are initiating the hello. You are initiating the forgiveness. You are initiating the reconciliation. And then you also anticipate. So you make great moves because you are an anticipator. John Maxwell was telling me the other day while we had lunch, and this is what he said. He says, Mike, live for anticipation. Live for anticipation. He says, anticipation wakes me up in the morning. Anticipation gets me excited. Anticipation is about 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. That no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can comprehend the things that God has for people who love him. It is an anticipating verse that I'm anticipating good happening because I am an initiator and I am an anticipator. Is this good so far? Is this helping anybody so far? Think about this. And here's number five. Number five, I want to add this. Number five, level up, raise the bar, and set the standard. You got to level up. In other words, what does it mean to level up? It means to level up to what you're getting paid for, to the expectations of your industry, to what you're doing and the standards of excellence that you have to level up to. Have you been living subpar? Well, decide right, right now at this moment that you're going to give your job, you're going to give your position an honest day's wages, and then some. Level up. Raise the bar. What it means to raise the bar? When I think about raise the bar, I think of one of the greatest track and field athletes ever. And his name was Dick Fosbury. Dick Fosbury was a track and field guy, and he was a high jumper. Back in the day, when you would run the high jump, they actually would straddle over the bar as high as they could and land on some sand and get back up. It was very, very uncomfortable and actually quite hazardous to the athletes. Until one day... Dick Fosbury decided that he would take a different approach. Make a note of that, a different approach. He would approach the bar and he would lift off of his one foot and throw his head and his back over the bar. And it was then called the Fosbury flop. The Fosbury flop has been perfected by track and field athletes because now it is the number one way in order to get over the bar. You have to raise the bar. So when he would land on the other side, on his back, and he would watch that bar as it hung there, and he would get up in excitement, and he would yell at them. He said, raise the bar. And they'd put up one more inch higher. And he would take the same approach of his new approach, and he would throw himself over the bar, and he would lean back, Dick Fosbury, and he, as his feet kicked over the bar, he would stand on, the, on that cushion. He would be so excited, and he would yell, raise the bar. I wonder how many of us, if we tried a different approach rather than the approach that we've been using all along that we've been taught or we think that actually works, that if we would change our approach to the bar, we might be able to raise the bar. And if we raise the bar, then all of a sudden we set the standard. Number one, level up, raise the bar, and set the standard. That's number five. And here's my last point. My last point is number six. Number six, go the extra mile. 
Go the extra mile. In whatever you're doing in life, don't do what's just good enough. We're people of excellence, right? We do more than what is actually required. Think about this. If we were to do this wherever we go, whatever we do, in our jobs, in school, on our teams, in our industry, whatever we're doing, if we were to take these six points and go the extra mile, where does it come from? Is that business? That's not business. That's Bible. But you can actually use it in business. As a matter of fact, Jesus talked about it in Matthew 5, verse 41. And he says, if a Roman soldier, because they were under Roman occupation, forces you to carry his gear for one mile, because he could, offer to go the second mile. Go the second mile. Do more than what is being asked of you. That is a person of excellence. It's an elevator, an accelerator, it's a differentiator, and it's also an income generator. That when you are a person of excellence in all that you do, it speaks louder than anything you could ever imagine. If you're in Boston right now, or the greater metropolitan area, or even in Massachusetts, or whoever's watching this throughout the world because of Pastor Derek and Pastor Stacy, I pray this message is working in your heart right now. I wanna do one last thing before I leave you right now. I wanna lead you in a prayer. See, when I talked about all of the things that was going around in my life, I can tell you this though. Once I grabbed a hold of the concept of excellence, things changed. I began listening to cassette tapes in my car back in the day, that's how old I am, cassette tapes. I was reading books like Tough Times Never Last But Tough People Do by the late Reverend uh, Robert Schuller. I was reading books by Og Mandino called The Greatest Salesman in the World, Think and Grow Rich, uh, incredible books that were changing the way that I thought. And you know what? It helped me become a person of excellence. I think I had an excellent spirit, but I never really put a name to it back then. But now I do. Maybe you have an excellent spirit. You know, I wrote a book on it called That Doesn't Just Happen, How Excellence Accelerates Everything. You can pre-buy it right now. Go to mikekai.tv and go order your copy or um, your digital copy, your actual physical copy, uh, whatever you want, paperback, hard book, no matter what. But I also want you to know that this message is not about that. It's more about what God wants to do in my life and your life. If you've never given your life to Jesus and made him the Lord and Savior of your life, if you've never surrendered your heart to him, then what are you waiting for? Today's the day of your salvation. If you surrender your life to him, if you pray this prayer, he's gonna come into your heart. He's gonna change you from the inside out. Your life will never be the same. It doesn't matter how great you're doing. It doesn't matter how much drama is going on in your life. It doesn't matter if you're making millions of dollars. It doesn't matter if, you, if you're broke right now. Jesus came for every single one of us. If that's what you want, heart of God, church, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Come into my heart. Repeat this after me. Say, change me from the inside out. Forgive me of my sins. Set my feet on a solid foundation. Teach me your ways. Give me your Holy Spirit. Renew me, my mind. Renew my life from this moment forward and teach me all that you need to teach me. Lead me, feed me, guide me, touch me from this moment on. Thank you, I'm born again. The old is past, the new has begun. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus created to serve you and to bring you glory. I surrender my life to you right now in Jesus' name. Congratulations, Connect Church. If you, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to make sure that you take those next steps 
that Pastor Derek has for you because they're gonna help you grow. Don't stop your growth by just receiving a message or just surrendering your life to Christ. You have to continue to take those next steps in your journey, especially now that you've reopened again. I'm really excited for you. Thank you for the honor of having me in your great church in Boston, all the way from Hawaii. We love you guys. Thank you, Pastor Stacy. Thank you, Pastor Derek. I, I greatly appreciate you guys. May the Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.